crack a beer and join John and Mr. Steve as they explore the people, places, and brews of the craft beer world. You are now entering the Monthly Brews Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Might Be Brews, episode 75. My name is John. With me, as always, Mr. Steve. How you doing tonight? John, we got baseball back. Baseball? The Masters was on last weekend. Sixers playoffs on Saturday. It's springtime. It's beautiful. It's a good time to be a sports fan, for sure. For sure. Guys, um, just a reminder for everyone, Might Be Brews has uh, officially started our own podcast feed, so make sure you look out for that. If you're watching... Please find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and more. But if you're listening, you can also go back and re-watch our live streams anytime on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Uh, we've got a website, mightbebrews.podbean.com, and help us out with our algorithms. Uh, find our show, press play, subscribe, rate, share, all of that. It would be a huge help, so um, thank you for that. Uh, today's guest, guys, we are here in beautiful Avondale, Pennsylvania at Be Here Brewing Company. Um, we've got to my left here, Dan. How you doing, Dan? Good. I'm doing great. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you so much for setting this up and, and having us here. I really appreciate it. And we've got Bob as well. Bob, how you doing? Doing great. Thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having us. So guys, um, tell us, uh, there's so much that I want to unpack here because I think there's a lot of storylines that I see when I look into Be Here Brewing, right? So... Um, First things first, I want to I want to talk about this beer because I've been sipping on this beer a little bit before we got the show started. Um, this Dunkel is fantastic, and I feel like I'm it, it's just, it's just fantastic. It's it's perfect, and I don't want to stop drinking it. Like I kind of just want to like this glass to somehow magically refill. Uh, I really don't want it to end. So um, can you tell us anything about the beer um, as far as maybe? What you know? Anything that you found in the recipe or something like that that um, that you guys like about it? So it's a beer that I really like personally as well, and and you know, I, I try and make beers for everyone, all different t- tastes. But when I find one that I really like, it really makes me feel good when other people like it too. Sure. So the Dunkel is one that I made for many years as a home brewer. Uh, it's such a nicely nice balanced beer. It's extremely easy to drink. Mm-hmm. It's smooth, it, yet it has a nice full flavor. Yep. The other thing that's surprising about it is how many people will say, "Oh no, I don't like dark beers," and then we'll say, well, "Have a taste of this," and they'll taste the Dunkel and they say, "I like that." Yeah. It doesn't taste like a dark beer like dark beers usually right. taste. So that's one of the other things that we really like about it. It's, it's, it's a beer that you can actually introduce people to a dark beer who might have otherwise been turned off to that whole class of beers. Sure. I feel like you could even rope in the guys that might stop in here and be like, I like Yingling Lager. What do you have that's like that? Because mm-hmm. this is, I might say it's like Big Brother, but it's definitely got that malty character that I think somebody would be able to identify and and taste that it's different and it's not the same, but still find something on of understanding equal ground. That was a very bad end to that sentence. I just <laughs> I got in that sentence, I couldn't get out. It's <laughs> all right. I get I get that way all the time. Pull the cord. So I feel like it's one of those things where it's obviously light, but it's got this great body, so it doesn't feel like it's thin or missing anything. It's got such a, a, a good body to it that um, it's just delicious. I love this thing. So I, I just wanted to talk about that right off the bat. 
Um, so I don't know which one of you guys wants to go first, but anytime that we have a new guest, we have to we, we ask this question of take us back to that first craft beer experience that you had that got you excited about about beer in a different way that it wasn't those those traditional those or those old school um whatever it wasn't like a regular miller light bud light kind of thing you had this beer and you were like holy crap um beer is different than i thought it was do you guys have any let's, memories like let's that let's take a trip through history over here yeah <laughs> well i was going to say i wanted to hear dan's answer to this because dan grew up at a time when craft beer was exploding um whereas i I largely predated craft beer, <laughs> right? You know, I'm an old guy, and uh, so what beers did I drink? Well, you know, even going back to college and just after college, I still then gravitated towards richer, maltier beers. Believe it or not, Miller made a dark beer that yeah. you could buy in some. You know, sometimes you could never find. It. I could never find it in bottles or cans, but some. Some bars had it, and I went to Penn State, and then one of the couple of the bars at Penn State had it, and that was what I started drinking up there. That led me really to exploring, even before craft beer became a big thing, sure. a lot of German beers. And for a long time, uh, if I was going to splurge and not just buy the cheapest beer I could buy, I would go towards the, the German beers. And I liked Lowenbrow, Lowenbrow Dark. I liked Beck's Dark even better. And I liked St. Pauli Girls, St. Pauli Girl. Nice. So, so those dark beers kind of led me to sort of be open to a large range of styles. And when craft beers started to show up on the U.S. beer scene, I was trying everything I could. And um, really just have to give a shout out to the original Dock Street. Yeah. Um, before they sort of disappeared and then were sort of reborn, mm -hmm. um, Dock Street made just a fantastic amber back in the day. And those were the beers that I was gravitating towards then, besides still sort of looking forward every year to Oktoberfest and getting the Oktoberfest beers that were imported, um, as well as the Christmas beers a little bit a couple months later then. Yeah, back in the day, it, it used to not be craft beer. It was almost imports. You'd see the menu split up domestic and imports, and the imports would be where you'd go to find something just different. As you're talking about Dock Street, what year are we talking about Dock Street? I'm going to say... Mid-90s no, before that? No, 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 well before, going before that. that. Yeah, yeah mid-80s. Yeah, before... Cause, so they disappeared for a while, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and then, thankfully, have come back. Um but they were one of the breweries that had been around for a long time and started to move towards towards craft. Nice. So, uh, Dan, what about you? Tell us back to your first craft beer Yeah, experience. I mean, he said that I grew up during craft beer, but craft beer has really exploded in the past 10, sure. 15 years. Yep. And uh, I learn to hate beer first i guess i, mean, okay. I was drinking all the bad stuff in college the, mm -hmm. the kegs of beast light and uh, so i drank a lot of bad beer and had to gain an appreciation for that uh you drink enough of it and it starts to go down a little easier <laughs> right yep and then i think uh i think i got a six pack in the dorms you know i was still 20 under 21 at the time but somebody got me some uh killian's irish red yeah and i drank it and i said wow this is not 
bad. And I think that was the first time I thought that beer could be a, an enjoyable drinking experience. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, from there it was Yingling and basically stealing all his German beers out of the, the mini <laughs> fridge. Nice. So um, at some point, I'm sure you guys decided to, or, or, or I guess, you know, tell us what it was like. Who got into brewing first and um, how did that kind of evolve, like the home brewing? Well, my story for homebrewing is, uh, I think it's a good one, because I can blame my wife for getting me into all of this. Okay. So back that's, in... That's rare. That's yeah, unique. Yeah, it is. That's, back, that's you know, a pleasant surprise. Yeah. <laughs> 25 years ago, she decided that, um, oh, this looks like some, a fun hobby for Bob. And for my birthday, I believe it was, one year, uh, 1997, 25 years ago, um, she bought me a starter kit, and my brother, um, who lives up in Westchester, had been doing some homebrew for a while, and so uh, I got this homebrew kit. It was, you know, the basic kit. It had, you know, a couple of buckets for fermenters mm-hmm. and for transfers, and um, came with liquid malt extract, the concentrated extract, with a, along with a little bit of dry malt extract. A uh, little packet of hops and a little packet of yeast, and that got me started. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for the first couple of years, I would do six or eight batches a year. And then every year, it was like I wanted to try something different. I wanted to expand. I wanted to get into different flavors. I went to grain, um, kept trying different hops. And so... I was homebrewing for 22 years. Oh, wow. Uh, while I had another career prior sure. to being here. And uh, during that time, I feel like I learned an awful lot. I had some good beers. I had some bad beers. And, uh, you know, the ones that I liked, I brewed again and again. And as I started to think about retirement from that day job, mm-hmm. I started to think about yeah, this is something I could see doing on a small scale as a retiree. And so then I started to think more about reproducibility. Can I make the same beer, you know, every year, you know, a couple times a year and really duplicate it? Can Consistent, I get, right. Can I get the consistency? And, and that was sort of the next step to really feeling like I was ready to do something like this. And then how we ended up... Uh, being in uh, starting our own brewery here, our own brew pub, uh, I'm going to let Dan tell the story of um, how he came to learn about this building that we're located. Yeah, sure. In because it is a, a beautiful building. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I'd like to know is, um, you know, when when did that decision happen that you guys wanted to to open a place, and and why here? How did you end up here? Um, so a little bit about my craft experience, yeah. Because uh, I never did really any of the brewing or anything like that, but I did work at Victory, uh, started in Kenneth Square in 2015, and that really kind of exploded my craft beer knowledge. Sure, and I owe a lot of everything. I mean, their their beer education program was actually really good, and I I went into it farther than anybody else was. I was when we do like beer Jeopardy, I was always the people people pick on, on their teams because I knew everything. Nice. Um, but I was in retail, and my job I did a lot of the behind the scenes, moving the kegs around, receiving. We were doing 
75 to 100 kegs a week we'd receive. So wow. uh, getting a lot of experience with the logistics, uh, learning more about the the market, learning mm-hmm. what people liked. And I did do a little bit of brewing. I brewed once there at Victory, but uh, that's not really my thing. I'm doing more of the marketing and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, as far as how we ended up here, it was uh, a kind of a... A random thing that happened where we, we went out looking, we were going to make some mushroom soup, and we heard about the, the Bash Annie Mushroom Farm, that they sold mushrooms on site, so we ended up going there, and um, I went with my partner, Mar, who also works with us here, mm-hmm. and I basically told her, look, we need to get out of here quickly, don't tell them who you are, let's get in, let's get out, and we walked in the door and they said, who are you, what, what, who are you, who's your parents, and she said, Cindy Strangari, and, and it just, oh my god, I... They knew her, and it just—they invited us in. They gave us all the mushrooms we wanted for free, and gave us hoodies. Oh, wow. And we're sitting there, and they're giving us the whole—the spiel of the mushroom operation. They're like, "What do you think about a brewery in Avondale?" It's like a brewery in Avondale, and 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 we grew up here. I we've lived here for twenty-five over twenty-five yeah. years, almost. Oh, well, more than almost that. thirty. Almost thirty yeah. years we've been in the area, and Avondale has always been just kind of uh, a dull. There's not, there was never every, anything here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that idea of having a brewery was uh, kind of ridiculous to me. Right. <laughs> uh, but then I got on Google Maps and I started looking in this area. And between here and where I went to elementary school, there's now five or six new developments. Okay. And on top of that, in every direction, there's new developments. So the area is growing. And... Um, yeah, the building is really cool in itself. It's a historical building, and it just kind of happened that way. That so somebody put it in your head that Avondale would be a cool place. Yeah, and um, we were we were actually looking. He was looking on Forty One at the time, so mm-hmm. we were looking on this road. Yep, and he looked at a property about a mile or two miles from here that is now a storage. They, they okay. leveled the entire thing. Oh, really? It would have been like a million dollar renovation to get the building operational. So. We were looking Avondale, trying to stay centered to where he lives, and um, yeah, it just ended up being perfect. So, what what was this place before, and you know what what actually went into turning it into a brew pub? Um, so, I'll talk about the history of the the building. He can talk yeah. about the construction because he did all of that stuff. I nice. was <laughs> still working at Victory at the time, but uh, the building was built in 1895. It was the original or the the second location of the Bank of Avondale. Okay. And over the course of its existence as a bank, changed names many times. It was Southeastern National Bank and um, Sovereign Bank when it closed. Uh, then it was just empty building. A, uh, a natural food store came in here and renovated the entire place. They had a bakery in where our brewery is. Okay. And the space that you're in now was basically all uh, grocery. Okay. They had a cafe in the front room and a smoothie bar. Yep. And I'll leave it there so he can talk about how it was. Yeah. Flipped. Okay. So when Dan told me that he had met the Bashianis and that they were looking to rent out this building. Yep. Um, and had the idea that it would be a good location for a brewery. Uh, I think my initial reaction was kind of similar to Dan's. It's like, I'm not sure that Avondale is the right, town, right place for this. Um, as he said, I was looking at some places where I thought I could open something on a small scale. And, and honestly, I, I wasn't thinking as big as this. Mm-hmm. I was thinking more in the lines of maybe a two to three and a half barrel system, more of a tap room, 
then a brew pub. I yep. wasn't really interested in getting into the restaurant game, um, but something on we, a small We hear scale. that a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so then he tells me about meeting the Bashianis who you know own this building, and in fact, they own the, the post office next door. They own all the parking in the back here. And uh, so I came over and I, you know, I met them and one of the guys brought me over to see the building and immediately just walking around outside and you see this beautiful stone facade mm -hmm. and the fact that it's on the main street of Avondale, Pennsylvania Avenue, which is part of Route 41 and gets a lot of traffic. Sure. It's like, wow, talk about visibility. But the flip side of that is that in the back, you've got this huge parking area, mm -hmm. which we share with the post office. Well, you think about a post office, you know, whatever, 8 o'clock until 5 o'clock. Right. And they're done. And they're done. They're out of there. And they're not here, you know, Saturday afternoons, Saturday evenings. They're not here Sunday. Right. So That's a perfect like, schedule. It is a, it's a great complimentary schedule to have post office and brew pub um, and right in the middle of town. Mm -hmm. I looked at the building... And it's like, oh my gosh, this is big. It's like, you know, there's a lot of square footage. Now, you ask me about it now, you know, four years later, and I'd say, oh, I wish I was bigger. <laughs> right. I wish I had more space for this. I had, wish I had more space for that. But it was bigger than I was looking for at the time. But it was just too good to pass up. Sure. And so we looked at the building. The natural food store that had been in here a few years never really took off. Mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason, I'm not even totally clear, but it never took off. Um, and so the Bashianis who own the building gave the guy a few years to give a good run at it. And then finally just said, you know, okay, we're pulling the plug. And that's when they were looking at perhaps a brewery or a brew pub here. And so we went into this looking at the building as it was as a, as a food store where this main room that we're in right here was a lot of shelves, mm. um, a checkout area of wood, wood counters, um, a juice bar and breakfast bar in where our kitchen is, and started to think about how to lay things out. And having that kitchen was a huge advantage because it turned out the, the borough and the borough council at the time was really interested in somebody doing something with this building but a few of the members of the council were not very supportive of a bar. Sure. You know, they wanted a restaurant and a bar. You know, bar and restaurant, fine bar. I'm, I'm going to just no. add that those people never were in here. So, <laughs> and they're not in the council anymore, so they don't mean anything. Sure. Yeah. Right. So... So we, we looked at the kitchen and said, okay, we can do something with this. And, mm -hmm. and they had actually upgraded it quite a bit when they put it in. When the last bank moved out, they had a nice hood put in. They had, you know, plenty of space there for what we need. Um, the Behind Dan over on this side, there's one of the original vaults was um, converted into a walk-in cooler. That's our kitchen's walk-in cooler. We have an even more beautiful vault in the main room in the front, uh, which is you know, worth seeing if you have. Yeah, seen I saw the already. vault door yeah, right behind amazing. the wall there. That's awesome. I got to give a shout out to Craig here in the chat because he said he did the internet install here a while ago. 
and he thought that the uh, the walk-in safe was awesome, and somebody here tipped him a heady topper. Craig, Craig, we're having a little bit of internet issues. Could you uh, do some back-end something? Yeah. <laughs> but I just want to give Craig a shout-out. He's a great I did, buddy. I did give him watching a the show. heady topper. Yeah, you remember? Yeah. Yep, that's awesome. I, was, uh, I, was, I saw that comment, and I was like, why is Craig putting their safe out on blast? Like, yeah. <laughs> why are we talking about their safe, Craig? Like, oh, but I didn't know that it was a bank, so that is pretty cool. Yeah. So as Dan said, the area where our brewery, the, the small brewery yep. is, was formerly a bakery. Part of it was a bakery for the natural food store. That meant, and everything was electric, surprisingly. They didn't have, you know, even with natural gas running right down the main street here, they didn't have gas installed to the building. Sure. So everything was electric. That meant they had a huge amount of electric going into that building, which was perfect for me with an electric brew house. Yep. Um, so started to lay things out, decided from the very beginning, we want the brewery to be visible. We want glass doors, glass walls. You know, you can see it from this area we're eating. We wanted the brewery vibe. Sure. We didn't want to, you know, tuck it away, and we wanted people to be able to see it. Um, and the other main thing then was, okay, well, the cake cooler. And uh, there was a whole bank of refrigerator cases along that wall. And it's like, well, we really can't use them. Right. And so uh, I was looking into, you know, these prefab or modular units for the walk-in cooler and calculated, well, what do we need to be big enough for 100 kegs? And that's what we started with. It's uh, 26 feet by 8 feet and 8 feet tall. It was modular. A bunch of friends of mine came in one Saturday after it was delivered, and we put it all together, and it was one of the most fun things. And the nice thing about having a walk-in cooler right there as part of the, part of the bar is that the taps just come right through the wall of the, of the cooler, and the kegs are right on the other side. A keg kicks, and... Easy enough for one of the bartenders to just go around the back and switch the keg real quick. And um, we don't have long lines. We don't have to deal with anything like that. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I do want to mention that our architect is actually here. I don't know if you know this, but Jeff Norman was the architect for Be Here. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Jeff's a, uh, a great buddy of ours. There he is. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> there he is. But yeah, he's uh, he's fantastic, and uh, that's really cool. So yeah, I knew he was an architect, but I didn't know that he uh, he helped out here. So that's really cool. So that, looking at the bar there, how did the uh, did you guys build that bar and design that bar? Yeah. So actually, um, that's that's one of the things I am I'm most proud of in terms of the renovations because I kind of did a lot of the design. It was very important to me to be able to have. I mean, it was, I was told it was required, but it was also important to me emotionally to have an accessible area. And so building that in, that it looked like a natural part of the bar with the reduced height seating and our little doorway into the bar can mm -hmm. flip down that if somebody's in a wheelchair, they can sit right there. And having that be part of the bar and yet still look like a very natural part of it was, was one thing I was very happy about. And the other thing is that it is largely a recycled bar. Now, it, you know, um, the, the wood for framing underneath, the, the structure underneath the bar, um, that comes from Lowe's up the street here. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, if you're going to do a major renovation for something like a brew pub or a restaurant or anything, 
if you can do it within a mile of a Lowe's, you're in good shape, right? <laughs> that sounds really you know, nice, just being able to anytime you need. Yeah, three trips a day when we're yeah. doing the construction. But nice. the other thing that's really neat about the bar is it is a recycled bar. Okay. And if you look at the surface of the big the bar top, um, a big piece of that came from the juice bar that was part of the natural food store. Another piece came from the checkout area. And we were able to repurpose that knotty pine, um, get it refinished to get a nice shiny gloss on it. And then the front of the bar, uh, the corrugated metal, is old roofing from mushroom houses that the Bastianis had. Oh, wow. So we have a recycled bar, and, and I think it kind of fits with one of the things we believe in very strongly. We, we, we are very conscious of the environment. Um, we try and, you know, I try and minimize my water use. Brewing is, uses a, wa- a lot of water. Mm-hmm. I capture everything I can uh, in terms of the effluents. We have our spent grain goes to a local farmer who feeds it to his pigs and his sheep and uh, goats. Um, So we minimize what we're putting into the waste stream and we try and reuse and recycle as much as we can. We've stayed away from, with the restaurant, with the the food service, we've stayed away from, uh, you know, styrofoam and things like that, even when it cost us a lot more and... Uh, the pandemic didn't help us out with, you know, takeout food and things like that. All those containers became much more expensive. Oh, yeah. Don't use plastic bags um, for packaging the food, paper. So we try and be very env- environmentally conscious. And I think that the, the appearance of our bar kind of fits with that whole vibe of, of, of doing what's right. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's, that's such a cool story to hear something like that about the bar. It just makes you want to go up to it right now and sit there and have a beer. And I love that the, um, just how well it all goes together with the cooler, with all that stainless up there, and also the stainless look on the front of the bar. So it's just it's a very good look. I just love the way everything goes together. Clean. It's very clean. Very nice. Yeah, that's awesome. We started sipping on a uh, second beer here. What's our uh, second beer we've got here? You're drinking the Watercrest IPA there. Watercrest. It is a West Coast IPA. Mosaic, juicy West Coast style. Yeah, I mean, of course I could smell right away when I took a sip of it that it was was a a hoppy beer, but... um, that's fantastic. I figure more of the people you're listening to are more hop than malt heads. It's, it's, it's a decent mix. I'd like of to think so. I think there's... No, it's <laughs> of what we get, of, of our guys. We got a lot of... We how definitely many, got some pills and lagers. How many yeast people heads. are out there, though? There's not a lot of yeast people out there. There are some malt heads. Yeah. We did find some malt heads and, and be into talking malt. Yeah, okay. We do get the feeling that lagers are coming back. And that more and more people are excited about them or enjoying them, and they're on more menus. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I'm I kind of feel like people are starting to go after those a little bit more. So I don't know. We kind of talked about this with our the last brewery we brewery that we talked to. How much of the current IPA fad, fad being a strong word, how about the, the craze that we went through was just because of space and equipment limitations that brewers had. You know, where a lot of them just kicking out these IPAs because they're, you, you get them through the tanks quicker, you, you clear out your space, and you're ready to make another beer. 
do you guys think about that kind of stuff when you're saying, oh, I got to get this lager in. I know it's going to take us a little bit more time than these IPAs do. So I try and balance the schedule to, to do a lager, um, you know, maybe have one lager in a tank pretty much at all times, either, you know, fermenting or, or in the bright tank to lager. And, um, you know, different, different times a year, it's easier or harder to do that. Um, when we opened and we were, you know, sort of up against, you know, we wanted to get open as quickly as we could. Um, our, one of our, our flagship beers, our London Grove Lager, was actually a London Grove Gold Nail when we started. And uh, not that I have a lot of thanks to the pandemic, but uh, that did slow our schedule down a bit and let us go back to doing the London Grove Gold as a lager instead of an ale. Uh, and, and having those extra, you know, four or five weeks to condition it. And uh, it is a better beer as a lager. Um, a gold nail is good, but a golden lager uh, just has that crispness. It's uh, not quite a Hellas, but it has that crispness that you really like to get in a, in a, in a lager. And um, so we, you know, the, like I said, I try and balance the schedule. The one thing that I... Um, I, I wanted to, uh, to say is that the Dunkel, uh, which technically is a lager, um, the reason I'm able to do that one and turned around very quickly is I use a California common yeast on that. And okay. so it ferments at a normal ale temperature, um, but it has many of the profiles of a lager and it doesn't have to sit in the tanks for a long time. Nice. So that's a very favorable beer there too as well. And I know other... Other breweries that do something similar, but um, I really like this one yeast that I use uh, for the California Common, mm -hmm. um, and it's not a very you know well-known brand. Um, I'll say this too: I'm brewing it. Uh, most of my batches five barrels. Sometimes I'll do a little bit smaller. I have the capacity to do double batching, um, but with things having slowed down again because of the pandemic, we haven't had much of a need to do double batches. But with the smaller batches that I do, even up to five barrels, I'm able to use a variety of different sources of yeast. And I can still, you know, it's like I can still use the homebrew packets of yeast right. if I need to because a five-barrel batch, oh, it's 30 packets of yeast. Sure. It's, it's not, uh, it's not un unreasonable to, to deal with. Yeah. What year did you guys actually open? So we opened um, on Black Friday in, no in 2019. So you were four months, uh, three, 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 three months, three months before yeah. the world went away. Yeah. Uh, so what is that like? You know, I, I, we've we've talked to a couple brewery, uh, brewers, brewery. and <laughs> breweries. Brewery. Yeah, that that had the same kind of thing where they were opening. Well, you know, let months me tell you this. Before. Actually, the month that we opened was probably peak beer in Pennsylvania because we were the 19th of 19 breweries to open in the month of November. It was the wow. most ever that has ever opened in Pennsylvania in one month. And do you think we'll ever open 20 breweries in a month in Pennsylvania ever again? I don't know. I don't see how. Yeah. But that's wild. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you, you have this great opportunity. You find this great space. You're very excited to, to take this next step and do your own thing and start a brewery. And three months later, you get, you know, kicked in the sack pretty much with the pandemic. What's that like? Well, 
you know, you try and roll with it, right? Sure. And the first thing you think is, well, at least I'm not going to run out of beer. (laughs) I'm going to have plenty of beer, and Dan's going to have plenty of beer. What a good attitude to have. I like that. It's like, well, at least... (laughs) I'll be set for a couple months. Yeah. Oh, so, funny. you know, we had a, we, you know, like I said, we opened on Black Friday. We had a tremendous December, you know, that we, 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 we felt so much love from the people in the area that somebody was doing something in Avondale that they actually wanted to go to. Um, and so we had such a great reception. And, of course, December is such a great month. Everybody's getting together the party. We'll see that again this year, I hope. Um, people are getting together to party, people are celebrating, and it's, it was just a tremendous month. I mean, whoa, over the top. It's like, we knew that was December, and we knew that January was going to be a big difference, and it was. But January was still good, and February was still good. But towards the end of February, the signs were, you know, the handwriting was on the wall. And by the second week of March, of course, we were shut down. It's like what do we do now, you know? And it's like everybody was in the same spot and it was takeout only. Mm-hmm. And we said, well, we didn't do takeout. We hadn't gotten to the point of getting our own growlers. We didn't have a crowler machine. Um, we hadn't even done much in the way of takeout food. A couple people would call and say, can I get the food to go? Just, and just like, Nick. We had Nick. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. <laughs> One, he's not here. So, so we didn't have much in the way of takeout. And it's like, oh, all of a sudden, it's like, pivot. How can you do this? And like I said, everybody, every restaurant, every bar was suddenly trying to buy growlers yep. and bags and clamshell things for takeout <laughs> and all that. And fortunately, we were able to do that. And we had to like, you know shift what we were doing for a while and we didn't have our own growlers so we were filling other people's growlers but you know people were dropping off growlers they'd had you know everybody's got their collection of growlers right <laughs> yeah. hey if you have yeah. any you have any spare growlers in your garage you know it's like drop them off we'll clean them up good and we'll send them along with somebody who wants to take some beer home uh and then a couple months you know a month or so later we got our own just plain unbranded growlers and we were able to get the crowler machine a few months after that. And so the takeout was mostly it was Dan. <laughs> Dan was doing a lot of running stuff running. from inside the building to a bank. What does a bank have? It has a drive-up lane, oh. right? It has a drive-up. Well, we don't have the drive-up window anymore. I was thinking of the thing <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With yeah, the, for the money. Just put you a crowler in there. And <laughs> can, I try, the can I try the hazy... So this uh, drive-up lane was perfect for curbside service, you know, with takeout. And fortunately, you know, it was about four months. We were takeout only. And then the other thing that sort of helped us tremendously was that along with the building, there's a relatively nice size side yard here. And it was always my dream to have a beer garden. And... You know, because we opened in November, it wasn't a high priority to get things ready for out there. We did fence it in. We put up a fence. And then suddenly in June, oh, uh, yeah, we've been telling you you're not going to be open for a while, but we're going to let you have outdoor seating. 
So suddenly we had to like scramble to get our outside area approved, inspected and approved, and uh, built a bunch of picnic tables in a couple of days, and we were open he, outside. He built all the tables. So, really? Uh, yeah, with a, friend, with a friend's help, uh, we built 10 picnic tables in about three days. And um, actually, I spent most. Of, I spent a good bit of today and yesterday, you know, building a couple more tables. We're we're thinking positively that the growing. outdoor season is going to be uh, a good one here, and we want to mm. have more people having spaces to sit outside here because it is it is nice. Uh, I mean, beer gardens are something I've always loved, oh, and it was absolutely. always something that if I was going to have a building where I was going to have a brewery and a tap room or a tasting room. It had to have something for a beer garden. Yeah, that's awesome. I did a little walk around here before we started the show, and I saw that space out there. And it's just so nice with that, with that fence there and the lights and the tables. And I don't know, your grass looks perfect for some reason. It's it just rare. looks awesome. It's a rare thing. We haven't walked much out there. There's yeah, not so many, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There hasn't been a lot of steps in the last few months on the grass, but uh, it looks fantastic. It just looks like a, a great spot. It's always like that. The weather is always perfect. It's just, it's a bubble here. Yeah, it's, it's right. It's like the 72 always. Yeah, right? It's That'd be nice. always a breeze. Do you, guys, do you guys allow dogs in the uh, outdoor area? I was just going to say, and we're dog friendly, and I can't tell you how many people have thanked us for that. You know, it's like bring your furry friend along, and they can sit at the table, and we bring a dish of water out for them, a bowl of water out for them, and... Um, Dan can Dan can talk a little bit about our connection with one of the local animal rescues that's yeah. sort of grown yeah, out of um, that. We we uh, we got connected with this uh, new animal rescue in Avondale called Lucky Dog, and actually adopted a dog through them. So we have a a puppy. We've done some some uh, some fundraising for them. Uh, I don't really want to get into it. You can do your own research, but we did a poop and flinging. Just just Google it. I saw that. I saw yeah, you. I actually tr- I tried to get you to come out to the poop and fling. Yeah, you sent, you sent the link for it. Yep. I didn't know exactly what it was, and then uh, you guys had a good trailer for it. Yeah, it was essentially my efforts at getting people to drink outside in February. And <laughs> right, so I yeah. invented this sport that's basically like elimination cornhole with fake dog poops, which we made out of, I made out of spent grain. Nice. So yep, they end up being great, baggy. great dog treats at the end of the of the fling. Yeah, and we have the fling. The fling king is actually here. There he is. Zach McCray is our fling king. <laughs> exactly. He was the winner. <laughs> he won. We raised a whole bunch of money for Lucky Dog. And nice. We're gonna do it next year. So well, that's awesome. Excited for the poop and flinging round two. Yeah, that's so cool. It's you, it's interesting to see people come up with like new ideas like that. That was that was totally COVID frustration and being in the holidays and seeing this numbers spike and how are we going to get people to drink in February and it's just crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's definitely nice to have that little dog friendly area out there. That's a good way to get my wife to come down if you have food. Well, and you have I, a dog I wouldn't area, say that about your wife. She but. will bring a dog anywhere. Yeah, if the dog's involved and the food's involved. So somebody hopped in the chat there. I think it was Fish, wasn't it? He said, um, dare I ask, have you attempted a mushroom variant beer? Have you put mushrooms in a beer yet? We have not. Okay. You thinking about it? That was a a big hesitation. I've thought about it. It's like, okay, when do I have time to make a five-gallon batch at home and see how this really (laughs) is? (laughs) Right. Because I've heard stories... You know, people using mushrooms and beers, and it's either so bad you don't even want to take a second sip, or people say, oh, it's interesting. 
Sure, but it's never like, wow, this wow, is a. This is good. Why is this not more popular? They, they <laughs> right uh, did make one at Kennet Victory as yeah. uh, one of their experimental beers, and it was a kind of like a maltier Oktoberfest beer that mm. they had made kind of like a mushroom tea out of. Okay. So it wasn't like uh, the way that I would think about it is more of a stout, like an earthy beer because okay. of how robust sure. a mushroom flavor can be. But uh, no, this was more of a lighter, um, yeah. Okay. Mushroom tea. I think it kind of brew fest. Didn't, didn't the bomb homebrewers do one? Maybe they did. I think it was like a brown ale. They might have. I might be making that up because sometimes at the end of brew there fest. Are, my, there are many other ingredients. It's hard to remember. Than mushrooms. Like don't, why would you do that? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, let's, the other thing that popped in my head when they said mushroom was your guy's food menu. Cause I know you've got the mushroom cheesesteak. So, um, try to tell us a little bit about your kitchen, what you guys are trying to put out to people, and um, what people can expect if they come here to get food with their beer. Yeah, so like we didn't want to do uh, food, right? right. But uh, <laughs> we ended up, um, there's a, a, the marketplace in Kennett Square. I don't know if you've ever been there, but mm. it, it's almost like a mini Reading Terminal Market where you can go in and there's different food options. And so there was a place called Cababaritos, which is a Mediterranean Mexican fusion. And I had kind of just gravitated towards that because I did deliveries for a Lebanese place at one place. I, I just wanted <laughs> yeah, right. some, some shawarma, right? I wanted shawarma. I was waiting for this guy to open. And Cababaritos is an awesome place. You can get a falafel burrito. Um, and then the same guy, Carlos, he opened a, a place called Rump Roasters, which is like a, more of a sandwich, like slow roasted place. Okay. So um, just knowing that he could do Mexican and Mediterranean and sandwiches, that, I mean, in that in itself is all pub food. Sure. So we didn't really want to do food, but we, we basically were like, can we approach him and see if he wants to do our kitchen? And that's what happened. So this guy, nice. Carlos, runs our kitchen. And we try to keep it, we try to keep it small. I mean, it's... Yeah, but it's all our, stuff. Our menu, you, our menu keeps growing and then scaling back, and it's 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 entirely to do with food costs and labor costs, and and uh, we we like to do everything. Everything is is made in house. We hand bread our chicken, we hand cut our fries, and our beef dip sandwich. If you try it, you might have uh, meat gasm. <laughs> I like that. There's, there's weird, weird. Know. Don't read the reviews about the dip. You'll, you might. Go, yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I don't know. Beef dip is fantastic. Yeah. So that's awesome to see that on is, the menu. Fries, it, of course. Look, look, that beef dip sandwich, it might be the best sandwich you've ever had in your life. Wow. What time is it? It's too late. It's too late. It's too I late. Mean, you, you tried to get me to try I food. Honestly you tried. Did try. Five, six times, and tried I said twice. I was full. And now, yeah. You're now you're it. Yeah, now I'm, I'm, I'm going to regret it. But you know what that means? We're beer, just going to come back. Three. You're, just, you're just ready. You're going to liquid lunch. Yeah, liquid lunch it. And um, the mushrooms, you, you mentioned the mushroom cheesesteak. Yep. That is a sandwich which, again, blows people away because they say, I can't believe this is just mushrooms. You know, yep. that there's no meat. I mean, and we actually have to tell people, yeah, it says cheesesteak, but it's, there's no meat. Yep. And then they have it, and it's like, oh, my God, this is so good. These mushrooms are great. They're portobello mushrooms. You know, we get them as fresh as you can possibly get them. You know, I'm we sure. go right to where they pack them. You know, they're picked that morning, and then you know they're packaged. still screaming actually when we cook them. And uh, <laughs> and that's that's just a wonderful sandwich too. So, uh, you know, 
as Dan said, you know, we, and, you know, I think I said too, we, we didn't really want to get into food, but, of course, for the pandemic, having food was almost a, a requirement, our, our right? Yep. You had to, yeah. You couldn't right? have people on site if they weren't also having a meal. And so, you know, in retrospect, we're lucky that things worked out the way they did. Carlos has been a great partner in terms of running the kitchen and, and you know, keeping, the, keeping things current, keeping things fresh, um, changing things up from time to time. And so, you know, we, we feel like it hit a, a really nice balance there of not, not being the one, you know, being the ones who didn't want to do, get into the restaurant business, but being able to do it uh, with somebody who really had a lot of experience and, and people love, love the food. That being said, uh, this is a line I use all the time when people say, well, you know, how did the pandemic affect you? And mm -hmm. it's like, and uh, my little cliche line for that is we, we opened up as a brewery with food. The pandemic turned us into a restaurant with beer. Well, yeah. And, um, and we still are, you know, in some respects, victims of our own success on the food. But we became Avondale's restaurant. Um, there's not a whole lot to choose from here in the in the borough. There's a couple places just outside the borough that are that are that are good. But um, you've got a Domino's and a little Chinese restaurant down the street, a Dunkin' Donuts, and for the borough, that's and a Earl Sub Shop across the parking lot. Not open in the evenings, so there's not a whole lot to choose from. We became Avondale's restaurant. The the, the community supported us tremendously, and we can't thank them enough. But, but we really want to get back to being a brewery. We really want to get back to having more of it being about the brewery experience, a little bit less about the restaurant experience. We want to see people in here at this hour of night and even later on the weekends and get back to you know having the, um, the focus being on the beer experience, the drinking experience, as opposed to, oh, let's go there for dinner. So. Sure. Well, it's nice that you can do both, um, but I hear you. It'd be nice to have, uh, you know, it'd be nice to, I think with the warmer weather and the pandemic ending, you know, it's just going to be a good timing and hopefully everybody wants to come back out and everybody wants to spend more time out there. Thank you so much. And I think that's one of the things that's coming back. You know, people are comfortable going to restaurants and having dinner because that's all we were allowed to do. But I don't think people are going out to hang out. They're not going out for drinks as much. But I think that's going to start coming back, especially as, as it gets warmer and people can hang out in the beer garden and do that kind of thing. What, uh, what, what beer did you just bring us? That is the Get There From Here. It is a, the, the short one is an Imperial Red IPA. Uh, the long one is a double dry hop, double New Englandish kind of Imperial Red IPA. New Englandish. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, there's a touch Red of haze IPA. to all our beer. We don't filter yep. any of our beers, so you know it might be a little not clear. Um, and the get there from here is a play on a local. The Landenberg's unofficial motto is "You can't get there from here, but this will get you there." Is it just me, or is there something with the yeast here? There's definitely a yeast note to it. Yeah. I'm trying to decide if it's like, are you guys using a different yeast on this or something? That's so that's a, a New England style, a New England yeast. Okay. 
Man, it's, it reminds me of like, uh, I'm trying to think of what it reminds me of. I don't know for sure if I can, if I can put my finger on it. I don't know if you can put your finger on it either. <laughs> you guys are, are trying to compete in this space where there's a lot of, you know, we're talking about 20 breweries opening up the same month that you guys did. Do you guys feel like the, the, the craft beer space in this area is crowded? Is there is there like a lot of competition, or uh, are you guys in a good area where you're kind of spread out from we, people? We, we're growing the area, and uh, Kenneth Square, for instance, had victory in Kenneth Brewing Company and Braylock Open and the Creamery, and it's a little oversaturated at that point. I mean, there's a lot of spots. There's a good, there's great places to go, but there wasn't anything out this way. Oxford had two craft breweries who one of them moved to uh, Rising Sun, the other one disappeared. So there's nothing that way. If you go north, it's uh, Victory Parksburg is going to be the closest one. Yep. And then going south, Dew Point is the, probably the closest one. So we're in really kind of a hole here. Um, but we're having to create the craft beer market. And that's why we're making a lot of uh, Irish Reds and things that are approachable as new to craft beer beers. Sure. So, um, do you guys see a lot of that because of your area that people are coming in that are kind of craft beer novices and yeah, you're, exactly. you're spending I mean, more time educating uh, or, or just like, spending like, extra time like educating dunkle, than you like, might? Like the Dunkel is a perfect example. We're having to tell people that uh, a dark beer doesn't have to be roasty and bitter. You know, right. uh, an IPA doesn't have to be bitter and hoppy. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're teaching people how to appreciate beer because they, they don't know how. Sure. That's got to be a, a, a fun thing, though, to kind of be able to have those conversations at the bar with it's people. Great. Like, I, I would think I would love that, to just be able to be at a bar with somebody and have opposite. somebody want to, to be shown a direction and... and give them you know a couple samples or give them a flight and have them have that moment of wow what is this like i i didn't realize that beer could taste like this to be able to provide that experience to people has got to be i think i've said this before it's like um musician on stage and you see people you know enjoying your tunes to to be able to present your beers to somebody at a bar and have them be like wow i i I can't believe how much i like this or get that excited about it it's got to be the best feeling and gratification in the world it is because, you know, people who are even a little bit skeptical about whether they will like something, when they do, it's, it, it, it's just double the, double the pleasure. Sure. On the other hand, I'm sure every one of the bartenders here, every one of our servers, Dan, Mara, everyone, and thousands of other craft brewery beer tenders, servers in, around the world have just gritted their teeth every time somebody comes in and says, what do you have that's like Bud Light? <laughs> right. And how do you answer that question? It's like, well, we don't, but you can try this. <laughs> you know, and, and so our, you know, I mentioned the London Grove Lager because we, we, we switched it from an ale. I, you know, we brewing it as an ale for, for saving time was able to go to a lager and we've been able to keep it as the lager because it's much better that way. And it's not a light beer. It's not 
under 100 calories. I can tell you. I don't know what it is, but I can tell you it's not yeah, under 100 calories. Sure. Yeah. It's not a light beer. But if somebody says, well, that's what I drink, let me, you know, taste it. And it's like, oh, this is good, you know. And, and you'll get a few of them who like that. And, and a few of them will go home and they'll just stop on the way home and they'll get their 12-pack or 15-pack or 30-pack yeah, sure. 30 of Bud Light. And, you know, and um, so what do you do? You grit your teeth and you say, try this. You might, you know, you might like it. <laughs> so do you feel like uh, these days are you being able to get inspired and experiment and try new things do you feel like you've or, or do you feel like you've uh, found like you know your handful of flagships or is it a blend of the two it's a blend of the two I guess uh, one of the things that that's difficult for me and 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 I think Dan Dan and Mar and I talked about this recently we really need to keep things fresh really need to keep turning beers over and having a new one um, but when you make something that you think, oh, I'm going to make a one-off of this, and suddenly everybody loves it. The, the Watercrest IPA um, was something I made for the first time in September. A little shout-out to our friends who have a nursery uh, down Route 1, just at the 796 exit in Jennersville, Watercrest Farms. Um, Bill from Watercrest, a longtime friend, uh, came over with a forklift about three years ago, almost to the day, you know, it'll be in another week or two, it'll be three years to the day, and unloaded a full trailer full of tanks, the fermenters, the brew house, the bright tanks, um, and, and they have a, a, a very nice uh, retail and wholesale nursery out there in Jennersville, and they asked us to do a, um, a garden party for them uh, and sell beer there, and so I did a new IPA and called it Watercrest IPA, which I thought was a great name because it's a West Coast IPA and Watercrest is WC. Yeah. And suddenly it became the most popular beer. So it's, oh, I guess I'm making it again and I'm gonna make it again. Um, things like the, the, the Wit beer, which I don't think you guys have gotten to sample, but the, the Fool's Gold Wit, oh, I'll make it and then I'll make something. Maybe the next time I'll make a Hefeweizen, and I'll make something different with wheat. Get people say, oh, you have to make another batch of the Fool's Gold. You know, they love it. So that's where it's a little bit of a challenge to sure. keep new beers coming along, um, but still to satisfy the people. Say, what? You don't have Avondale Amber right now? You know? Sure. So it's it's a little bit hard. You yeah. Know, um, and and I think you know we want to we want to keep introducing some new beers, but also keep people happy with a range of beers. The one thing that we will never do here, um, whether I'm the brewer or someone else, the one thing we will never do here is become one of those breweries that has, you know, six or seven different IPAs, um, a, an Imperial Stout, and one or two other beers. You know, I believe in variety. I believe that there is something to be said for every style of beer. Uh, maybe not a mushroom beer. We'll see about that. <laughs> I do like the diversity of the tap list, so, for sure. And that's that's really where what we're going for here. It's like, you know, and, and the way Dan arranged the menu with, you know, the lights to the darks, the hoppies, you know, it's like, it's just a really good feeling when you know, when you can tell people, this is the diversity of craft beer. There is right. so much to choose from. Uh, you know, we've thought about putting in more taps than, than 12. Because and he wanted eight to start. So. 
<laughs> just to put that on record. Right? You wanted eight. You've I got said, twelve, and you and, now, and you no, want you more. Want Sixteen. Yeah. You need more than eight. Yeah. I feel like I'm a I'm a newer craft beer follower, right? So when I got into craft beer, I was really going after just hoppy, hoppy, hoppy beers, and and at the same time, the New England trend was happening. So I was getting more and more of these juicy beers. And, and I get it, you know, I think that there's a place for it and it can, low IBUs and these, these juicy profiles can help bring in new craft beer drinkers potentially, but uh, I'm really happy to see diverse, you know, diverse tap lists and more and more people wanting to explore. Because for me, it was at first like anything hoppy, I want to try it. And now it's become, you know, the different styles and um, really exploring and under, trying to understand maybe you know the the different uh, the different yeasts and the different grains and the different hot profiles and things like that. So um, there's so much out there to learn, and it's nice when you have so many different beers on tap that you can really you know find out a style that you really like that you didn't know. Like I, I swear it was only a few years ago that I discovered like or realized Marzins and Oktoberfests that like it was something that I kind of just overlooked. And then had a really good one and was like, holy crap. And then, you know, all of a sudden it's just, you know, something you look forward to every year. You know, it's, it's just such, such a, a great style and such a, a fantastic beer. So I, w- I would definitely add to that, that that there is a time and a place for every kind of beer. And if you don't know how to appreciate a certain type of beer, you just haven't been there yet. Right. So the Absolutely. sour fruity beers on a hot summer day or uh, like an imperial stout on a rainy or a snow day there's the perfect time and situation to enjoy every style see you Jeff shout out Jeff Norman again fantastic I I gotta tell you he did he's not gonna hear it now that he walked away but um, he did that I didn't even realize that it was it was uh, April 1st (laughs) and he posted about a lot of people didn't yeah and, and it was so funny because I posted on there, like, thanks for everything, Jeff, in, in all sincerity. And he messaged me, thanks for playing along. And it even took me another, like, half hour <laughs> to realize that it was April 1st. I, I completely missed that one. But um, such a good guy. He always um, invites us out to the, to the brew fest so we can be a part of that and, uh, you know, get to talk to brewers and, you know, people in the industry. And it just ends up being such a good time. So we're uh, extremely thankful that um, for whatever reason he likes us and, and lets us uh, participate with his event. So that's a you, good thing. Do you guys have any events coming up here at the brewery that uh, the people can come out and check out? Well, we have a comedy event at the end of the month. It's uh, the 29th on a Friday. I have some people coming from all across the country. Um, I've got Eric Marino and Eddie Brill was a longtime uh, talent coordinator and warm-up act for the Letterman show. 17 nice. years he was on there. And actually, his son is Dan Madonia. He's more of an up-and-coming comic. So we have, we're have we doing live stand-up probably once a quarter. We do live music um, every Sunday, 4 to 7. Um, so we'll this do the... really nice... I, lo- I love the tap room space. There's plenty of room in here, but this little um, this stage here is cool, too. So yeah. I think it's going to be like a fantastic venue for stand-up and obviously live music. Yeah. But yeah. That, that's going to be a really good a space room. for that. It really is great. Um, We've got an Avondale trash cleanup, which we organized. That's happening next weekend. And, yeah, a bunch of things here and there. Little. Where's the best people or the best place for people to find you? Um, where, where do you guys Instagram or Facebook. Instagram, they're, Facebook. They're both, yeah, same. Or the website. I do a lot of Google Mapsing. 
Yeah. Google at, Maps as well. <laughs> out, uh, what is it, at Be Here Brewing? Yeah. Is that what much. you guys are doing? Yeah. Awesome. So we're going to do um, a toast of the week before we're done. So if you guys uh, have anything, think about it, something that you want to toast or something that you want to, uh, to, uh, to burnt toast, to, uh, to roast if you want to. We definitely don't want to put out any negative energy. No so. negative energy. <laughs> no. All right, where is there? Go. Might be Brews presents the toast of the week. Oh my god! You want to go first? Yeah, I'll do mine first. Uh, I know you said you didn't want to do anything negative, but this is kind of a, a well, it's definitely a negative. But uh, we just got to raise our glass for our buddy Devin. His uh, his father passed away, and just being around Devin, around his family, you can tell when a guy has come from good roots. Yeah, and just watching the way Devin is with his family. I can tell that he came from good roots. I never met his father, but uh, but we're Devin. We're sorry for your loss, and uh, we raise a glass to uh, yeah. to your pops, Mr. McNeil. So hope everything uh, cheers works out. And dad, dad you need anything for back. us? That's from us, dad. let us know. Yeah, Devin's such a good guy. Um, great, great beer friend, and just a great friend, longtime friend altogether. So um, really tough to hear about that. So um, I'm gonna go with another one, another R.I.P. I'm gonna do uh, Gilbert Godfrey. That was a, t- that, you know, every once in a while there's, there's one that just kind of hits you a little bit differently, right? Celebrities and people close to you pass all the time, but, um, you know, Bob Saget kind of sucked, right? Um, Gilbert Godfrey, the same thing. I think, you know, a lot of people consider him a comedian's comedian. That voice, that, that iconic voice, you know, um, is just, you know, uh, it's iconic. You know, what else can you say about it? So... Uh, that was a tough one, so I'm going to give my toast this week to uh, to Gilbert Godfrey. If you haven't watched him uh, at the Hugh Hefner roast from 2001 doing the Aristocrats joke, get thee to YouTube <laughs> tonight and watch it because it is hysterical. You guys got anything you want to do? Uh, I definitely want to give a toast to Mara, who should be here. She's the third part of Be Here. It's me, my dad, and Mara. And... Um, we have a one-year-old Emmett, so but I got a shout out to my my Mar and my Emmett. Yeah, Mora was on the uh, oh. on the chat. Oh, is that, that Mora right there? Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming unless there's a different Mora. That's Maura. the probably Mora. Because if there's two Moras, that'd be really uncomfortable. Hey, Mora! Shout out, Mora! No Thanks for everything. You're the best. Bob, you have anything? Yeah, I just toast. wanted we to do raise. Toast. We got a toast, right. Mora. Toast, toast, Mora. An Emmett. Hi, it's me. That's what Morris said. <laughs> so, so I just want to—I just want to raise a, raise a glass to family, because, as Dan said, this is a family business. You know, it's Dan, Mara, me. We've got a, a beer named after their one-year-old Emmett. We've got a beer named after my wife, Mo. Mo's Irish Red, and and we wouldn't. No pun intended. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this family part of this business. Because it's very important to us to, to be a family and to welcome families into the brew pub. I always love to see, especially Saturdays and Sundays, when people come in with their kids and we have the high chairs or they're outside in the beer garden when the weather's nice. All those kids. And it's like family is part of craft beer. And for us, it's a very close part, and so I just raise a, raise a glass to family. I love that. Well said. Well said, Bob. Like, uh, we didn't really get into that. If anybody, I don't think we've mentioned it all yet, but if you haven't figured it out, spoiler, Dan and Bob, spoiler alert, 
Dan and Bob are related, father and son. I hear you. I hear you. The reveal. <laughs> but guys, I have to say, um, thank you so much for having us here. This was such a good time. It was so nice to get to know you. Uh, we kind of talked, hinted at it a little bit before the show, but I really hope that when people get to understand what you guys do, what you're passionate about, the, the goals and uh, the things that you have going on um, and, and the, the things that drive you in your business and in this brewery, people can appreciate it and people want to come out and, and support and be a part of that. So um, that's really our goal. And I, I hope we can achieve that and bring some more people out. I was telling you, Dan, earlier, there was somebody that messaged like, hey, I didn't know those guys were there. I'm excited to go try them. So that's really cool. Um, hopefully we're, we, we're we do that. We're expecting that one guy. Yeah. Whoever that is. <laughs> that one, one guy, Steve D12. Steve D something. Steve D12. At Steve D12 or whatever we'll it is. Find you, Steve D12. <laughs> you better come out here and enjoy it. Tomorrow. Free mushrooms for you when you get here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Guys, if you took the time to listen, to watch, uh, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're subscribing, following, sharing, all that good stuff. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.